Hey everyone, welcome to the Live Your Freaking Life podcast. I'm your host, Christine. And I'm your other host, Selena. We are two BFFs and life coaches who talk about the science of happiness and well-being to help you live your freaking life. And today we're excited because we actually have a guest on, which we like never do. So we are super excited (laughs) about this because we knew for this one, we needed to go outside of our realm of expertise because we know nothing. So, but we'll leave it a mystery. You'll find out what it's about in a few minutes. But before we get to that, Christine, how are you? What's happening? I am so good. Listen, I am like Ted Lasso came back on this week. I know, I know. And I haven't seen it yet. My life is complete. What? I don't listen. You know why I haven't seen it yet. I can't, I don't have time. Tell us why you haven't seen it yet. Well, so this is show weekend. So my daughter is in Into the Woods at Wilson High School. She is Cinderella. And I saw opening night last night. And listen, I mean, I might be a little biased, but she's the best one on that stage. I'm just putting You're that never biased. And if somebody disagrees, we're in a fight. That's it. That's all there is to it. So, <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to see it. I'm going tomorrow night. Sick and autumn. Karen and I are going and we're going to make a night of it. Girls night out. Yeah. It's going to be big fun. See Kathy. Big fun. So just Ted Lasso though. That's all that's up with you. I know that's all you need, but. I mean, like that's the thing that stands out to me because I have been waiting in anticipation for months. Jim and I both we're like, ah, yeah. Yes. And I know our guest is a big Ted Lasso fan. Oh, well, that means we automatically love her. Yeah, automatically yes. love her. And we have a couple of friends um, listening right now that have not watched any Ted Lasso. And we're going to tell you again, oh. fix it. Fix it now. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be able to maintain our friendships for much longer if they no. don't. No, no, this is it's important to us. I'm and they need to work it out. Like work yeah, it out. Totally. For sure. Okay. But can I tell you what I have been watching? Even though I haven't been able yeah. to watch Ted Lasso yet. We finished The Last of Us. We did too. Listen, I don't know why that show is trying to kill me, but it clearly is because so many, listen, first of all, I had zero interest in this show whatsoever. It was about a video game. No, get out of my face with that. I don't care about that at all. But my son and my husband were like, no, we're watching this. And they sucked me Mm -hmm. in. And next thing you know, I'm bawling at every friggin' episode. I could not believe it. It was so good. And now I'm so on good. Pedro I, Pascal bandwagon. Like, yes, he is America's <laughs> sweetheart. My word. It's ridiculous. It was so good. It was so Oh my good. gosh. That's so funny. I love it. Yeah. Jimmy and Kate sucked us in. They came over for dinner, like, I don't know, like a month ago. And they were like, you have to watch this show. You have to watch this show. I was like, no, I'm no. not watching that show. And they were like, just watch one episode. Well, sucked in. Yeah. And you're right. Crying. Yeah. Yeah. Like anyway crying like my word why are they doing it's emotionally manipulative I'm going to tell you that right now and I don't care for that well it was really well done that's it was really well executed emotional manipulation I know right (laughs) they're really good at it so there's points for that for sure (laughs) all right well we're gonna dive in Christine tell us about our guest today oh my goodness so I met Coven several weeks ago now, I can't even believe it's been, yeah. When I was in Florida, I think I, I'm sure I talked about this. I was at a Thrive 360 retreat and she was the co-facilitator. I got to go a day early and I was secretly, Coven doesn't know this, but I was secretly hoping that I would have just one-on-one time with her because from what I had heard about from, about her, from her dad and from our friend, our mutual friend, Tony, who was the other facilitator, I was like, oh my gosh, like, she's amazing. And I, so I did get the one-on-one time with her and it was so life-giving. Our faith journeys are very similar, our, oh my gosh, just so, so many of our values aligned. And it was just, I could have stayed up all night. I was like, okay, I got to let you sleep. I've got to stop talking to you. Um, But seriously, it was one of the best conversations I have had in a long time. She's also a huge fan of Father Richard Rohr. And so I was like, well, Ted Lasso, Father Ted Lasso Richard, and Rohr, Richard Rohr, I mean, please. They're like the patron yes. saints of living your freaking life. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Oh my gosh. That's perfect. That is so, so true. 
but also she did some teaching on the Enneagram. She's a certified Enneagram um, coach, I guess, would you say coach? And anyway, the way that she described the Enneagram was so beautiful. It was the best explanation of the Enneagram I have ever, ever heard. Um, I just appreciated that so much, but Coven is an acupuncture physician. So that's why she's on this episode of Woo 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 Hoo. Um, and she's also a practitioner of East um, East Asia medicine. Um, and she's very, very passionate about helping people live healthier lives through natural and scientific um, practices. And so it's she blows your minds. So here's the other thing, though. While our some of our journeys are the same, she's half my age. <laughs> All of this wisdom and insight inside of this like young mind is just team. Oh, I feel like everybody's half her age now. Oh, you shut up right now. No, I do. I do. I I swear to you. I'm looking around and I think everybody's half our age now. I think we, I think we're going to have to get over it. I'm not a fan. I'm just putting that out there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe your troops. Yeah. So Coven, welcome to the Live Your Freaking Life podcast. So happy to have you on for this series. We're in this series. Woo, is it woo-woo or is it woo-hoo? And everyone that listens knows that I have been on this journey uh, with my health and trying like everything I possibly can to become as healthy as I possibly can. And acupuncture has been a new thing for me. And I always kind of struggled. Was like, is this woohoo or woo-woo? So before we get into that though, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about Willow too. Yes. And, well, thank uh, you both. We'll awesome. Thank you both for having me on this. I'm so passionate about acupuncture. So I'm um honored to have the opportunity to kind of talk about how woo-woo woo-hoo it is, not woo-woo. Um <laughs> I'm probably gonna get that wrong a couple times. But okay. um I am located in sunny Florida. I love it here. It's we have a very stimulating environment. And um, I I love it. I love the sun. I love the warmth. I would not do well in Mm. colder climates. We are Um, both insanely envious of you right now. For the record. How cold is it? (laughs) It's actually not terrible today. Um, But a couple of days ago, it was like winter tried to show up at the end of March. And it's just unacceptable. Yeah, nobody has time for that. No, 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 no. You had your shot. Um, yes. <laughs> um, so I, my puppy's name is Willow. That's what Christine was mentioning. Um, I'm in love with her. I've had her for a little over a year now. She's a two-year-old American bulldog, and she's about 50 pounds of pure muscle. And so she has been a phenomenal reminder um, to get me out of bed, to get me moving my body, because she needs to move her body. Otherwise, she gets into mm-hmm. mischief. Um, so yes, yes, yes. I am an acupuncturist. I practice acupuncture. I work in an office for about four days a week. And then I also actually have the opportunity to teach acupuncture to acupuncture students. So those are, those are the things I I get to do on as my day job. And then I get to hang with thrive 360 team, um, a couple, every couple months. So amazing. And so cool. I've I'd love for you to share your journey. Like, how did you, because you're a pastor's kid, you grew up in the church, right? And so uh, a lot of times in those spaces, acupuncture, East Med- Eastern, East Asian medicine is, uh, Chinese medicine is woo-woo for sure. Um, not all spaces, but many. And so how, what was that journey like? How did you discover acupuncture, Eastern medicine? And yeah. Yeah. Well, the journey has been very much the journey of a skeptic. And although I'm passionate about acupuncture today, I'm still very skeptical, um, which I think has given me the opportunity to explore it in a way that doesn't feel like I'm um, not honoring my values. And so Mm. I would say when I first was introduced to acupuncture, I was very much of the mindset, this is voodoo. And my, my parents were actually going to see an acupuncturist who was a Christian and he had reached out to several pastors in the local community and just said um, that in, from his training, he had always learned that you take care of the spiritual directors in your community. And so he sent out kind of a mass email to all the local churches and introduced himself. Um, Hi, I'm Dr. Lee. I'm an acupuncturist. I'm also a believer and I would love to make sure that you are physically well as you help your communities with spiritual development. 
And so, as you can imagine, Claremont, Florida is a very small town. Um, and a lot of people really weren't even open to the idea of it. Um, my dad is always very curious. And so he decided to reach out because he kind of thought it was maybe on the woo-woo side as well. But he wanted to talk to another believer who's also practicing this type of medicine. And just Dr. Lee was formative for not only my parents' health and well-being, but also my interest in getting into the medicine because of how he kind of bridged the confusion of, uh, I'd say, the Western church and also Western philosophy with um, Eastern medicine and also Eastern philosophy. And he did it so beautifully so that it, it really does describe the medicine that we practice as simply medicine and nothing uh, philosophically um, that's lacking integrity <laughs> or, or doing anything odd. Um, so that was very much my introduction. And although my parents were more open to it than I was originally, um, I just started listening to him, started asking him questions. And the way he explained the body, to me, it honored my beliefs in, in how God has designed the body. And while I didn't have defined philosophies yet around what I believed about the natural world or our environment or the need for sustainability and all these things that I'm now very passionate about, something just resonated to me when he was explaining how integrated our mind is with our body and with our spirit. Um, in Eastern philosophy, one of the things that I love most about it is how integral our spirit or our essence is with every facet of our life. And so mm -hmm. when he started explaining that to me, I was just, uh, I it aligned so much with how I feel about the world. And so, you know, at first I thought I was going to have to learn uh, Mandarin and study in China for eight years to become an acupuncturist and end up, there's a program in Orlando, Florida. And um, wow. during my gap year, I, I made the decision to start, to start the program. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just listening to you going, oh my gosh, I can't even, I can't wrap my brain around that, around that journey, because I know how very woo woo it was in the circles that I was in. And so it would be like, like, don't even open that email. You might catch something. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. The introduction. And so I'm curious. I know you had said when you started learning more um, from the doctor about, you know, the, the integration of mind and body and spirit and all of that together. Was there like this turning point moment for you where you were like, oh, no, this stuff's awesome. I, I got it now. Was there a moment like that or was it just a gradual yeah. building? I'd say there, there's a few different moments like that in my progressive journey in this field and in this career. And that's something I love about this career because I think I still have many more turning points in front of me. Um, but the first was probably when I was being seen for, for care. And I had um, scoliosis when I was younger. It was a very mild form that if even if it had not been treated, it probably would have resolved by itself when I was 25. Um, but nonetheless, it created a lot of asymmetry in my spine and as a result caused one leg to be shorter than the other. It caused a lot of pain when I was walking and um, just caused a lot of hip issues. And so for probably three years, I had seen a chiropractor three days a week um, wow. and because that was the care the chiropractor prescribed and, you know, at the time, it made sense. You know, I have a spine issue, so you need to constantly adjust my spine so that it straightens out. And it made sense. And I kind of just felt like the di discomfort that I was living with was probably just normal um, and just something that I had to deal with. And so, and granted, I was, you know, probably 13 to 16 when I was under that pretty intensive care three times a week. Um, and I, at, when I was 16, that's when I kind of started my gap year. So from, from 16, when I turned 17, 17 to 18 was when I was I kind of exploring what I wanted to do. And at that time I was introduced to Dr. Lee, the acupuncturist, and he, I was very needle phobic and I still am a little needle phobic. So I'm raising I, my hand note for the audio. That's me. That's me. Yes. I'm really hoping yes. that at the end of this, I'll feel like, no, no, I could do that. Yes. Right well, now, we, can, mm. we can totally talk about that too. Cause I, you know, one needle phobe to the next, I can explain how, how it's not the same as, as other types of needles, but 
Um, so I was so needle phobic and I went to see him and I was like, you can do anything but needles. And so he's like, okay, I can do something called Twain Na, which is a manual body work. It's not like chiropractic in that you're adjusting the bones, but you are adjusting the fascia. Um, and it's more of the soft tissue work. And so he did this with me. I will say it was one of the most uncomfortable things that I have experienced. Um, anyone who's done uh, body work like this knows that it's uncomfortable to, to adjust the fascia, but it works. And after one treatment of this Tway Na work, I, I had no more pain. I felt like I was moving more freely. And I in that moment, that's when I was like, oh my gosh, this is wow. great. I didn't wow. know. And I was, you know, 16, 17 and realizing that I didn't have to, to deal with this kind of discomfort. And I just remember feeling like, wow, you know, one treatment versus three years of treatment. It seems better. I feel better. Um, I'm, I want to do this. And so originally what attracted me to the me- this medicine was actually the manual body work, Twena. Um, it's not something I practice now. Because I think structurally, I'm not built to do manual. Sounds like like hard work. Yeah. It's very hard work. (laughs) It's very hard work. And Dr. Lee tried to warn me. He told me, you know, it's not, it's not for you. And usually when I hear that, I think, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. And so, you know, a year (laughs) and a half. That's adorable. That's something you say, like, oh, sweetie, singing, that's not for you. Right, (laughs) right, right. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Well, he was right. It's not for me. And now I do. I I love acupuncture. Um, Acupuncture is very much my specialty. Um, So all that to say that. I would love for you to explain, Coven, what is acupuncture? Because I think everybody pictures something in their mind when they hear the word. And so I'd love for you to explain it. What is it? What does a session look like? And why does it help? Beautiful. Um, so I'm going to answer this in a couple different ways. Um, the first would be that acupuncture, by definition, is the insertion of sterile um, needles, stainless steel needles, into different body tissues um, at differing angles to bring relief to the system. That's like the the simple explanation of acupuncture. So a couple things I want to highlight there is that it's sterile needles. So there's a lot of misconceptions about the safety of acupuncture Um, and the research behind acupuncture and all these types of things, acupuncture is absolutely safe. We are never reusing needles. These are Mm -hmm. single use. We use them one time. They go straight into a sharps container, just like any other medical waste and things like that. And so it's very, it's a medical procedure. Um, And so it's very safe. But then another thing I want to highlight there is that we're inserting the needles into different points along the body. And so oftentimes the language that you'll hear with acupuncture, it's kind of a mystic language. We talk about, oh, there's meridians and there's these channels on the body. And I just want to cut that language out because meridians are imaginary lines. Um, they're not real in, in, in the world. These are just kind of zones that we use to mark things, but they're not actually real. Whereas acupuncture, there's it's real tissue we're working with. And it's actually your connective tissue or your fascial planes is what it's called. And so we're Mm. simply using the body's structure to treat and heal itself. And so acupuncture is a physical medicine. Um, A lot of people put acupuncture into the bucket of, oh, it's just an energetic medicine. It works kind of like Reiki where we're moving chi and all this. And while that's kind of fun to talk about, it's not actually honoring what acupuncture does or how it works. Acupuncture Mm. um, uses several different mechanisms of action in the body. One would be the nervous system. We all know our nervous system has a form of electricity, and we know our nervous system runs throughout every part of our body. And this is one way Mm -hmm. we can explain how an acupuncture point in the hand can address the hypothalamus in the brain. Um, and this is done on uh, fMRI studies where we see an insertion of a needle on your hand actually lights up the hypothalamus in the brain, which is just phenomenal. Um, but acupuncture also works specifically with the connective tissue, or like I said earlier, the fascial planes. Your fascial planes are quite interesting. This is how your body and your musculature are properly hydrated. The fascial planes run superficially to your skin. And they actually run deeply and they wrap every single organ. And so, again, this is another explanation about how a point superficially inserted on the arm or on the foot 
um, actually addresses internal organ dysfunctions. And so mm-hmm. what's also unique about the connective tissue and the fascial planes is that they have their own form of electricity. And so you have two forms of electricity running in your body. You have your nervous system's electricity and you have your connective tissues electricity. Acupuncture works phenomenally with the electricity that runs through the connective tissue. And so this is a little bit how acupuncture works, not just what acupuncture is, but we're using systems in the body to bring adjustments and correction in the body. We know the body Mm. is designed or made or whatever words we want to use. Um, It's a system that is designed to correct itself. So if there's a dysfunction, Mm -hmm. it should be able to create functionality. It just might need a little switch turned on or a little switch turned off. And so acupuncture is Mm -hmm. just like an electrician going in and turning the switch on or turning the switch off. It's amazing. That is wild. It it really is. Go ahead. I I was just going to say, you said something that maybe people that are listening heard for the very first time that our bodies are actually electric, right? That our nervous system. So say more about that. Cause I know you and I both share, you know, one of our, you said one of your favorite books. Um, I, I asked you about it. I said, have you ever read the book, the body electric? I read it years and years ago when I was going to a naturopath doctor and um, it blew my mind, especially as a Christian. Cause you, I don't, we never say that in church, right? Like right. your body is electric. No, you talk about energy. <laughs> so, yeah. Off the table. Yeah. Yeah. And so can you say a little bit more about that? Just for people that that's the first time they're hearing this, they're like, what? Our body's electric? Yeah. So I like to use the word electric over energy just because the term energy, while it's the same thing as electric, it is a little bit for people who are not open to that idea. Energy is not going to be the term that I can use to bridge the gap, right? But electricity, we all kind of understand the concepts of electricity because we use it daily. Um, Mm -hmm. so one way that I would answer that Christine would be to say how we can prove the body's electric. And there's actually machines where we can actually see the electrical density, um, in different tissues. And so that's how we know that there is electric sensations, even in fascial tissue. And then also the nervous systems tissue as well. Um, but this electricity, this is what is enlivening our tissue. It's what's allowing our heart to actually, pump correctly without electrical sensation, Mm -hmm. our heart would stop pumping. And so, and even, you know, the, the machines that we use to restart art, that's an electronic shock to the system. And so it's kind of a, exactly. It's a reboot. And so every organ in our body needs that electric sensation to be appropriately circulating. And if there's a dysfunction, Mm -hmm. if there's a deficiency in that electric sensation, or on the opposite side, if there's an excess then we're going to start noticing things are off balance. So I'm curious, what are some of the things that can cause that imbalance in electrical systems within your body, whether it's, you know, an excess of it or not enough of it? Yeah. Mm. So one, there's, there's several we categorize would be external factors and internal factors, right? So external factors, these are things in our environment. These are things in our lifestyle. These are things in our diet that can be contributing. Um, external would also include, you know, if I get hit by a car, right? So trauma. If I have, if I hit my head, there's substantial things. So there are, are traumatic factors that can, external traumatic factors that can create those imbalances. But then and there's also things like being a smoker, right? We, we know that smoking is not helpful for our lung tissue, um, because it's dehydrating lung tissue, it's bringing our carcinogen into our lung tissue. And we know that that's toxic for that tissue. Um, and so one way to view that would be there's an excess and there's a deficiency there. Um, but then also what we're eating. And then lastly, like I said, our modern lifestyles, the degree of stress that we put on our minds and on our bodies is immense. We have a very limited amount of sleep and we don't rest our bodies or our spirits. And this is a, a just a massive way that we cause imbalance in our body. Um, and then our also our ability to process and move through life. So if we are, if we're doing well, if we're physically well, if we're emotionally well, then we're moving through life smoothly, right? Something happens. It's maybe not as 
what, what would be ideal, but we can kind of move with it, right? We have that flexibility. As we create imbalances in our life, mentally, emotionally, and physically, we start to have some more rigidity. And so then when something hits us, it's not as, it, it's more jolting for our system. And so in the same way that this can ha- be true relationally, this also shows up physically. And so one of my favorite things about Eastern philosophy is that there's multiple ways to treat things. So there's an internal medicine way, right? I can do acupuncture to help somebody with stress and oxidative stress on the body and the tissue. Or I can encourage them to move their body. They can go physically move their body. This is going to reduce the impact of oxidative stress on their tissue. Or they could go have a conversation with a friend. And this is where Mm -hmm. we start to see the integration of mind, body, and spirit. And so it's a well-known idea in in Eastern philosophies that it's not just physical treatments that treat physical ailments, ailments. It's also spirit or essence or heart treatments that treat that. Mm. And so it can be just as therapeutically valuable for you to go on a walk around your neighborhood as it is, as it could be for you to have coffee with a really good friend. Right. And it's really just that practice of sitting and externalizing what's happening internally. Now, not all friends, you can go and have coffee and, and feel refreshed afterwards. Sadly, <laughs> they suck the life out of you. That might not be the person to go to. Yeah. Just right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, but if you have the people in your life who you can, it is it is so valuable to externalize that. And what we see is that that's moving, if we want to say energy, but it's moving things out of our system. Like we've all had conversations where we felt heavier afterwards. We've also probably had conversations where we feel such a lightness in our chest, right? A lightness in our bones. And so it's healing. Gosh, that's amazing. And it totally lines up with so many things that we've talked about on previous episodes, because it's making me think about the stress cycle um, Mm -hmm. and how you need to complete the cycle. And it, it makes me think about, you know, tied in with that too, the body keeps the score, right? And so if we don't find a way to get these things out of our body, whether through something like an acupuncture, massage, um, any therapeutic treatments like that, or getting it out through conversation, talking about it, even talk therapy, CBT, all of that, um, it's going to stay stuck and we are going to get more rigid and tighter. And so I love hearing you say all this because it's, it, we see that spill over into so many different areas. Um, and I think it's just fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I was just thinking about the vagus nerve and and just how everything gets stored up in there. And, and this is just one of many ways to get it out. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Is there anything else you feel like would be like um, regarding acupuncture that you would want to say? about that? I think one of the, I'll kind of approach it from a misconception side. One of the common misconceptions around acupuncture is that it's a one size fits all modality and it's not. Acupuncture, Mm -hmm. I'm passionate about it and it works so well for so many different people and so many different illnesses, but it's not for everybody. And it's not necessarily for every single condition. And so it works I was wondering about that. Like, what are some of the conditions that would be beneficial for? Yeah. So um, first I'll answer that by, it depends on the acupuncturist and what their Mm. specialty is. Okay. Not all acupuncturists are equipped to help all different conditions. So acupuncture, one of the number one things that it's beneficial for is pain, chronic back pain. Um, it's what it's known for. It's what it's about, just about the only thing that insurance is going to cover for acupuncture. Um, myself personally, I do not like treating chronic back pain. It, to me, it's a little boring. Um, and it's a little not, not fun. Doesn't engage my brain, but my coworker who I refer all of my back pain people to loves treating back pain. She loves it so mm. much breakfast to dinner. She could treat back pain and not be exhausted. Right. But for me, two people in treating back pain, I'm, I'm over it. Um, yeah. So it depends on the acupuncturist um, and depends on their specialty. So if you're seeking out, if you want to try acupuncture, make sure that the acupuncturist is, has some skills in what you're hoping to achieve. 
And so in my mm -hmm. practice, I work with a lot of autoimmunity. And of course, with autoimmunity, we have pain, but autoimmune pain is a little more interesting than back pain. Um, so I work with a lot of autoimmunity. I also work with people who've experienced uh, trauma. So I work with PTSD um, and mm -hmm. I work with, I've had a lot of experience working with addicts. I love working with addicts. We know um, the addiction cycle is often kickstarted by some type of deeper trauma. And so as somebody's trying to give up an addiction, whether it's to substances or porn or gambling or eating or whatever the addiction is to, it's the same part of the brain that's being overengaged. Um, we know that underlying to that is some trauma. And so as they're trying to give up that habit or a substance, we need to help their body reconnect with what the deeper issue is. And it can be very mm. jolting for an addict to, to go through that experience because they've spent so long using it as a coping mechanism to protect themselves. And so acupuncture works phenomenally to help them detox if it is a substance or if there's a physical toxin in there. Um, but it also helps to them to reconnect with their body, to get an idea of what their body is supposed to feel like. And also mm. to help them through the heaviness that they start feeling in their body as they start kind of coming face to face with some of those traumatic things that have happened for them. Um, mm -hmm. My first three years of practice, I worked in an integrative uh, counseling center. So we did outpatient intensives for addiction, eating disorders, depression, anxiety, and things like this. Um, and in my time there, I started realizing the majority of people we're seeing have inflammation and they have some type of autoimmune disease. So mm -hmm. as I started realizing a lot of the autoimmune diseases have deeper traumatic experiences as well. And oh, so I work with a lot of different things related to that. Um, and I also love working with fertility because fertility is really fun. I love working with women, women's health, um, helping women, helping families get pregnant, have healthy pregnancies, and then also recover postpartum. And so those are, those are my specialties. Those are things that I'm really passionate about and love to treat. Um, and so I, I'm good at treating those. Acupuncture can also be helpful for any kind of neurological conditions, seizure disorders, um, pain, migraines. I know an acupuncturist who focuses on visual issues, and he has great success with that. I know acupuncturists who specialize in sleep disorders, severe sleep disorders, um, and they do great work with that. Okay, so, I just need you to know that when you said you know somebody who works with visual disorders, my brain was like, tell me they are not sticking needles in somebody's eye. And I know that they're not. I know that no, they're, not, they're not, but I need you to know that was the first thing that popped okay. into my head. <laughs> like, nope, I'm a tap out right here. It's great talking That's to fair. you, Coven. <laughs> That's super fair. No, no needles, no acupuncture needles are going into the actual eyeball. So yeah, just to clarify. That's funny. I And I didn't think of that for one second. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's so yeah, funny. You no, know, it just was what popped into my head. Uh, well, it's yeah. because you're needle needle phobic, right? Well, COVID, yeah. You said you were going to say something about that. Was what? What else did you want to add to the? Yeah, needle talk to talk to us needle phobes, please. Yes, because yes. here's the thing. I will tell you. For me, I acupuncture has been suggested for me a number of times for years, and my immediate answer is, uh, not a chance in hell that's happening. So just take it off the table because of the whole needle thing. And then the answer I get is, but they're really small needles. And I'm like, I don't give rats ass the size that they are. It's a needle going in my body. I don't like that. And not only is yes. it a needle, it's multiple. So yes. talk to us needle phobes. Cause I, I really would like to try it. It's the mental hurdle of the needle that I cannot get over. Yeah. Um, like I said, I totally get this because I was I was a needle phobe and I had a very patient acupuncturist who, you know, worked with me with herbs and Twena. Um, and so when I have needle phobes coming into my practice, I really do explain, of course the needles are small, but let me explain why that actually is helpful information. We're we're not just talking about small like an injection needle. Oftentimes we think of needle or we have some type of needle pho phobia. It usually starts when we're children, when we get a vaccine. That's when like this the peak uh, raises for needle phobic disorders. Um, and so those needles, because they are injecting something, they're hollow. They're also sharper at one end and they're much larger. And so those are, are much thicker gauged needles. Um, acupuncture needles, we're not doing injections. So they're solid. 
And so the actual tip of the needle is going to affect the tissue very differently than something that has to slice tissue. So that may or may not be helpful for the needle phobes, but um, my hands are sweating. One other thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, next time you have an injection, you're like, my hands are sweating. Tissue? <laughs> um, the needles that I use in my practice are a little thicker than human hair. So wow. when we're talking about small, we're talking really small. And for the needle folks who come in, I usually will grab a needle. I'll open it up because it, it's sterile. Um, and I'll actually show them how flexible it is. And so I'll actually bend it completely so that you can see exactly that it, it's not, um, not like a knitting needle sticking into your arm. Lord and then I'll mercy, also I can't believe you just through. said that. <laughs> that's, that's, I can't even... Okay. You'll be fine. Shoo, keep going. <laughs> um, so those are a few things that I'll kind of go through. And and also I'd say if you're looking for an acupuncturist and you're very needle phobic or you're apprehensive, um, try and find someone who's going to give you some grace. And so mm. usually when I have people who have some type of fear or apprehension, I'll just say, Hey, you know, I'll give them all that explanation I just gave you. And then I'll also follow it with, let's just try one. If you don't like it, we'll do something else. If you don't yeah. mind it, then we'll start with five points today and that's it. Mm -hmm. And so then we kind of build up from there because I, there it's, it's a natural fear. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that acupuncture is not going to be helpful for you. I've also treated people with such severe, um, it actually wasn't a needle phobia. It was actually a symmetry, uh, phobia, right? So they had to feel like they have symmetry on both sides of their body. They had, um, they're on the spectrum, autistic spectrum. We tried to do acupuncture because they really wanted it to help. Um, but they had such a obsession about symmetry in their body that they couldn't quite calm down enough because one needle felt deeper than the other. Wow. And so it wasn't actually needophobia, but it was a reason for us to just say, you know what? Acupuncture is not for you. Let's do something else. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah. Your does approach sounds... Oh, it does. And your approach sounds so grace filled, which I am personally quite thankful for, <laughs> but yeah, no, that it, it does help because it brings a level of comfort. And I like what you said too, like, make sure you find a practitioner who is going to go slowly with you. If, if you are needle phobic and, and try different things and take that time to show you, um, because I think that would make all the difference in the world. So I really, I love that you, you had said that that was great. Yes. Good. Good. I'd good, like good. to talk a little little bit more about that. But before we do that, so I want to go back to, please help me remember this. I want to go back to, if you're considering, if someone's listening and they're considering acupuncture, um, I want to talk about what should they ask? You make the phone call, you stop into the office. What should you ask first? I mean, next. First, I want to ask, I want to go back to something you said. You talked about you uh, treat a lot of patients with autoimmune disorders or diseases. And as you know, I rheumatoid arthritis is my diagnosis. And so autoimmune, and we know we get a lot of feedback from uh, listeners who also have autoimmune disorders okay. or just different types of illnesses. So I would love for you to talk about um, why does acupuncture work for that? And then I've shared, you know, a um, couple of months ago, my integrative medicine practitioner I was in such a flare and so much pain. And she said to me, Christine, I can't recommend acupuncture enough. I really, really think you need to do this. And one of the things she told me was to make sure it was somebody who um, was certified in Chinese medicine or was a Chinese medicine doctor. I'm not really sure how to say that. Um, and so I ended up finding somebody It was recommended from uh, a mutual friend. And, and I went and honestly, I thought, okay, a couple of weeks from now, maybe I'll experience relief, right? But certainly I didn't go in with the mindset of like, oh, this is going to happen. And I was skeptical, <laughs> to be honest. I felt like it was woo-woo for sure, because it's what mm -hmm. I believed, you know, like was what's what I was taught. But then there was also a part of me that was like, mm, I'm in this mode the past few years of like, what else have I been wrong about? Like, I just mm -hmm. want to live a passionately curious life versus like, so, you know, convinced I'm right about everything. Um, so I go into the office and, um, it was wonderful. He was so, Mark was just so very similar to you, right? Like just had this real humble, um, kind, compassionate way about him. 
brought me in, explained what was going to happen, put the needles in. I hardly felt it. I will say like every once in a while, there was like, is it called a jump? Like a nerve jump? Mm -hmm. Right. Like slight little like, oh, okay. Um, But it wasn't pain at all. Um, And an hour later, I'm sitting having lunch with my friend, Anne-Marie, and she, and I had no range of motion in my uh, right hand, my wrist at all before the treatment. Hour later, she's sitting there and she's watching me eat with my right hand. And she goes, um, how do you feel right now? Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh? She said, Christine, look, look at your wrist. Like this, it was less swollen. I had range of motion. And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. So help me understand like what, cause I, I still don't really understand. I've been back several times and it helps yeah. every time. Um, but what's happening? Why is the pain Get why you know what I mean? Like, help me understand what's happening in my body once the needles go in. Yeah. So there's there's three ways for us to kind of answer this. One would be that acupuncture, certain points when we when we stimulate them on the body, it helps us to produce endorphins. Um, and mm-hmm. this will help reduce pain. Or this really it reduces the sensitivity to pain. And so hmm. um, this is actually quite similar. It uses the same neural pathway as opioids. And so hmm, I was just going to ask you that patients who are on opioids have reduced effectiveness of acupuncture. It doesn't mean it doesn't help, um, but they don't have as much relief as people who are not on opioids because it's using the same neural pathway. It's using the same neurotransmitters wow. to reduce pain. And hmm. so, and really, again, it's, it's better. It's more accurate to say it reduces the sensitivity to pain. It does not reduce mm-hmm. the pain. Um, and, and that's really what opioids do. They reduce our sensitivity to pain, which is why opioids, um, they help. They help a lot of people, but they shouldn't be used long-term because they're not actually treating the issue. It's like a Band-Aid, right, mm-hmm. going on top. Um, and oftentimes that Band-Aid stops working at some point. And so one way that acupuncture treats pain specifically is through the neural pathways and the endorphin um, pathways. The other way of explaining that would be there's a lot of clinical research that has gone into how acupuncture reduces inflammatory markers, um, specifically interleukin-6 and interleukin-2. And these are two inflammatory pathways or inflammatory markers that are so high in people with autoimmune diseases. And so we're actually reducing the inflammation so that you're not your body is not overreacting to it. With autoimmune conditions, it's really important to treat because if it goes untreated, the immune system runs rampant and starts to negatively impact different tissues. Depending on the different autoimmune issue, different tissues are going to be affected. And with autoimmune Mm -hmm. issues, we want to protect tissue. That's like number one. Otherwise, it's harder to recover tissue after a certain point. And so reducing inflammation reduces the immune system's impact on the tissue. Um, And so this is why acupuncture is a phenomenal way to help that because it reduces inflammation, which means we're protecting the tissues. Acupuncture also reduces oxidative stress, which is um, the stress that is put on, we put on our body emotionally, mentally, and physically. Um, And by this, we're also protecting Mm -hmm. tissues in the body. The third way that I would answer it is that acupuncture works to hydrate tissues. Okay. So there's, we talk so much about hydration when we talk about wellness, right? We all know we need to drink enough water. We all know, or we, we should know too much coffee because the diuretic is actually draining our body of water. Um, But it's easy for us to not drink water. Right. And so when we're talking about hydration, we're really talking about electrolytes and minerals. And so when we're drinking water, we actually need electrolytes and minerals. So if you don't like drinking water, I personally don't like drinking water. Um, If you get the correct amount of minerals and you get the correct amount of electrolytes, those minerals and electrolytes are hydrating the tissues. That's all we really need when we're talking about hydration, Um, minerals and electrolytes. Mm -hmm. So when we have pain, so much of pain syndrome, it's because our tissue is dehydrated. We could be drinking half of our body weight in ounces of water, and we can still have dehydrated tissues. And that's because the water, the hydration, is not actually being absorbed into the tissue correctly. Why? Because our water is so filtered and it lacks minerals and electrolytes. So 
Yes. <laughs> yes. Water could be our own, our whole, or Great. hydration. A whole could be other a whole, episode. A whole, yes. Discussion in and of itself. But acupuncture works to hydrate the tissues because it's actually going into dehydrated tissue and basically stimulating fluids to go to that area in the body. So this is one way wow. that we immediately see a change in the body. Now, acupuncture is one way to do this. Simply moving our body hydrates our body. It allows water and nutrients to go into the tissues that needs to go into. Now, for a lot of people, when we're in so much pain, we can't actually do the things that help us, right? Moving helps us. But mm -hmm. if we have so much pain and moving feels makes it feel worse, we can't do that. And so using a therapy that's less invasive, like acupuncture, really, you get to sit back and relax on a, on a table. You know, our tables, they, they're um, adjustable. So someone can adjust how, how much they want their torso to be up, how high they want their knees. So it's a very relaxing experience. And you can just kind of sit there quietly and calm down and, and then get up and feel mm -hmm. much better. And so for some people, acupuncture works better than for, for me to recommend to them. Yeah, I want you to do these workouts. I need you to do these things. Because it's not doable for them at this point. But eventually, yeah. as an acupuncturist who I really would love to work towards not seeing people, um, I want them to eventually get to the point where they can do those physical exercises that increase hydration to the tissue. Um, but until we get to that point, then acupuncture works very well to hydrate tissue. It's really, again, the connective tissue. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Because that makes you're right. so much sense. Because so often it's like, okay, we'll just go out and exercise four times a week. Well, if I could exercise yeah. four times a week, I wouldn't be calling you. <laughs> right. You know what right. I mean? When, right. when I'm having back pain or whatever it is. So I like that idea that acupuncture is, can be a bridge to kind of get you to those other things. It's, it's so often, you know, we hear from a lot of people who have depression and it's, well, you got to get outside. You got to walk. Awesome. They might need some meds first so they can get out of bed so that they can right. go outside mm -hmm. and take a walk, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the advice, while it's good, sometimes we need a bridge. And I, I love that acupuncture can be that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Before we get into, sorry, I, I know we need to wrap up here, but before I get into that question about like what questions people should ask you, I'm just remembering something stood out to me. You said early on in the conversation about how when you sat down with Dr. Lee as a 16 year old, which by the way, you graduated high school when you were 16, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Seriously. And then took a gap year. And then you had like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like you graduated college when you were. I had my associates when I was 16. And then I graduated from <laughs> acupuncture school, which is a master's program in, in Florida. Um, I, I was still 20. Like I was a couple, I was a couple months short of, of my 21st birthday. Oh yeah. Everybody does that. My whatever. Yeah, right. I, I'm telling you, <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, as if people couldn't figure out you were brilliant by just listening to you talk. But, um, so you said something at the, in the beginning about talking to Dr. Lee and he helped you to kind of, um, reconcile, I guess is the word I, I I'm thinking of like Eastern versus Western, because a lot of times I think that's it, right? Like we're here, we're in the Western for in America, Western mm -hmm. church. And, so it's like, oh, East is bad. Like how, why do you think that is? And then how did you reconcile the two so that you could move forward? Yeah. So I didn't properly assess before I got into the program how hard that integration would be because I didn't mm. realize how westernized my mind was. I have, I'm a multi-ethnic, multi-racial person. So I, in my mind, I had the ego of, yeah, I have enough different things. How hard is it going to be? How hard is it to actually adjust my thinking in, in terms of if leaning into this direction? And I had also, you know, my parents are pretty health conscious. Um, and so I, I really, I had a misconception of how easy it would be. And within, I would say my first semester, I had come home and I had just learned something about the Tao and the Tao is a philosophy. It's not a religion. Um, and I was so intrigued by Taoism and the Tao. And I was like, wow, this, I feel like this fits right in with my beliefs of Jesus and in the way that God has created the world. And I was so excited and I was just overflowing. And my mom mm -hmm. caught me in all my excitement and my unfiltered thoughts and trying to draw connections and, you know, my, my mom immediately had fear. 
immediately was like, oh no, what have we done? We've let our, we've let our newly 18 year old daughter go into this uh, program. And now she's going to leave an atheist, you know, and she's going to become, I don't know what she's going to become. And she, she had such a harsh reaction. I was so like, oh my gosh, I didn't think about everything she was saying. And honestly, I, I went, I went to my room and I just started crying and I just remember praying and, and asking God, I was like, God, I really feel like you've drawn me into this career. I really feel like this aligns with the way you've created the body. And I, I'm very confused because I don't understand what to do. And I, I cried myself to sleep. And some, at some point during the night, I had the most perfect dream. And this is not a story that I share too often because it's so deeply personal to me. Um, but in the dream, I was walking to this beautiful cathedral. I love building structures. I love how they impact us physically, um, mentally, and emotionally. I was walking into this beautiful cathedral. And I could see up on top, there was all these gorgeous structures. You could see the intricacies of like a Gothic cathedral. And I remember being like, wow, you know, I just feel God's spirit here. I feel in line with God. And as I walked further into the cathedral in my dream, I started to see that what I saw from when I was looking at it straight on started to have edges that curved and there were started to be more, more like asymmetries to it. And as I walked further into it, there was a moment of fear kind of realizing, Oh, what I'm looking at is not actually what I saw when I first got into it, when I first walked into Mm. the building and I walked to the center and I'm looking up and now what seemed so simple when I looked at it straight on was so complex and was so even more beautiful than when I looked at it straight on because I saw all the intricacies of of depth and dimension to it. And I had the strongest sensation um, and what what I felt like God was speaking to me in that moment was that there's much more to be known than I could ever know. And it was, Mm -hmm. that was another turning point for me to realize I don't have to approach this as a, as a believer with fear because there's, there's depth in God's creation that we we can't understand if we're just looking at it straight on. And there's some things that we won't fully understand or experience um, until we actually do the, the harder work of actually getting into it and looking at it from different angles and seeing, seeing the depth that, that God has created. And so what, when I went to bed that night, I was so discouraged and feeling like, oh no, I, I went into the wrong thing, you know? And then when I woke up the next morning, I had absolute peace, trusting that there are things that I don't know. And there are things that I, I won't know and can't know. And also that I don't have to approach the things I don't know with fear. And so as I entered it from that perspective, I started to realize it, it gave me enough um, open-handedness with my beliefs to actually listen to lectures by non-believers and listen to Eastern philosophy and really absorb it and take the good from some of it and also leave some of it out. Because there's, mm-hmm. not, there's, there's not truth in everything, um, but there's also right. not falsehood in everything. Um, and then the other thing that I think about a lot more now than I did when I first started was um, the Bible was re- written with Eastern philosophy in mind. Like Jewish yes. culture is Eastern culture. And oh, so please we, say more. Please say when more. When we are reading the Bible, this is written within the lens of Eastern philosophy. And so when we interpret the Bible from the lens of Western philosophy, we're actually not getting the right takeaways from it. And so mm-hmm. when we read the imagine Bible. Imagine that. May, yes, imagine. When we read it more openly, I think there's so much truth in in how I've learned how the body functions, which for me, I've learned largely from a more Eastern philosophy. And I think that's because of my upbringing in really strict Christianity, that's how I would describe it. um, I I was able to adopt more of the Eastern philosophy than other people because I had already had Eastern philosophy, even though it's kind of Westernized, misconceptualized. Um, somewhere deep inside my spirit. And so a lot of it actually lined up in ways that I think are more honoring to uh, God's creation than, than other ways. <gasps> that was so yeah, good. I love you. <laughs> it's so, so good. Oh, I'm Sandy. When we were at the retreat, told me about the Bema podcast, B-E-M-A. Yes. Are, are you listening to that? 
I started. I like it. Oh, oh my gosh. So good. But that first episode, right? The first introduction, they were, they said that like, hold on people in the Western world. <laughs> Let's just remember that the Bible was written to Eastern people by Eastern people. And so what, what's going on here? And yeah. oh, so, so, so good. Well, and I love how you said too, like initially you had thought I'm, I'm multi ethnic. This should not be hard for me. But when you were born and raised in America, guess what? You're American. And that is the filter that you see yeah. everything through that you don't even know is there. Um, I, we, mm-hmm. we all have that. So yeah, it's, it's so interesting. I love that you differentiated that because it's so true. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I wonder, um, as we wrap up here, let's get into the whole, so if somebody is considering acupuncture, what should they ask? And then I want to just give you time because you're, you're, yes, you are an acupuncture physician, but integrative medicine is amazing. And so maybe you have some advice just for having nothing to do with acupuncture, right? But just like, what are some of the things that we can be doing or some things that maybe we should consider reading or learning about to um, help us be healthier people? Well, and I would also add to that, if there's something like, if you find a practitioner that says this, run, what is that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? So what should we look for? What should we stay away from if there is anything? I, I do. I have one that comes straight to mind. Um, if your practitioner, whatever, whatever they practice, right, whatever type of medicine that they're using, says that their form of medicine or their modality or their specialty can treat everything, run. Okay. Nothing treats everything. Nothing. Nothing. And I know okay. a lot of um, MDs. I know a lot of uh, chiropractors. I know a lot of physical therapists and acupuncturists as well who would advocate that their form of medicine treats everything. And the reason why I'm saying run from that doesn't mean be- that that practitioner is not going to be able to help you. They might. They're good practitioners. But philosophically, I think that is a dangerous thought. Um, and the reason mm-hmm. is integrative medicine is the healthiest way to approach your well-being. So integrative medicine includes um, using multiple evidence-based modalities to make sure to give someone a unique treatment in order to help them have success. That's like at its base core definition of integrative medicine. Um, and it, it can include acupuncture and functional medicine. It could use acupuncture and um, allopathic medicine, which is what we often say Western medicine is. Um, it could use allopathic medicine with herbal medicine. You could combine anything and it could be integrative medicine. But the core values of integrative medicine is that we're using multiple modalities and we are also viewing the body as integrated. And so it's not just what modalities are being used on the person, but it's also the person's internal uh, physiology. So this is integration of the mind, integration of the body, integration of the spirit. And I would add in there integration of the heart. Um, Because emotions are a little separate of the spirit. Um, And so as we view the body as a whole system integrated, then we can start figuring out what's the best modality. In my practice, I love working with mental health counselors. I love working with a hypnotherapist because I don't work on the mind in the same way that they can. I'm not Mm -hmm. wired to. I don't have patience to. I don't have the certifications to. But other people do. Acupuncture and counseling work so well together. Um, Mm. So integrative medicine is such a beautiful philosophy and is such a beautiful thing. Anybody who's practicing outside of integrative medicine, I think these are dangerous practitioners because they're not going to have your best interest in mind. They're not going to think, you know what, I I actually can't help them, but I know someone else who can. That's why I'm saying that's a dangerous kind of philosophy. You hear someone say some of that, run, because they don't have your best interest in mind. My goal as a practitioner is to see you the least amount of times I have to. Part of this is because I have a very short amount of patience. Um, But also the majority of this is because I want people to be well. My practice that I get to work within, our, our name is Be Well. And that's our philosophy. We want people to be well. And part of being well, 
of course, is taking care of yourself, but it's also living life, doing what you were designed or what your your heart is burning to do. And so what I do in the clinic room is just to help you enough to get you to what you want to do. And so if you have a practitioner who's who's not open to um, working in a group with you, then they're probably not thinking of you as a whole. They're mm-hmm. thinking of you within mm-hmm. their specialty, right? And everyone has a specialty. As an acupuncturist, one of my specialties is the electricity of the body, the nervous system and the connective tissue system. That's my primary specialty. Now within that, mm-hmm. I do a lot of other things and I affect a lot of other structures in the body, but generally that's my specialty. So I'm going to view how I can help you within that lens. Chiropractor is going to view within the lens of how, which bones do I need to adjust, right? Where's there subluxation mm-hmm. that, that might need to be adjusted? Massage therapists are going to view you from um, what soft tissue needs to be adjusted in order to make you more functional. Primary care physicians oftentimes, or really allopathic professionals, oftentimes they're looking at what, what blood work, what medication, right? They're not looking as much as at nutrition. A nutritionist is going to look at how I can feed you differently. So we have to realize the healthcare professional, um, they're viewing you and your illness through their lens. And so this is why mm-hmm. we need integrative professionals um, because then you, they view you more holistically. And this is really, as a, as a person receiving care, this is how I want to be viewed. Because if you can't help me, it's okay. I want to find someone who can. And I, I might not know everything that I need to know. So I need you to know who can help me as well. And so mm-hmm. I love having a referral network. It's one of my favorite things because I get so excited about it. I would love for you to see this person for this thing, right? And so uh, there's such a high level. I just want, I was just going to say, sorry, I had to just say though, with the way that you practice has such a high level of integrity, right? Because I think a lot of therapists, a lot of doctors, a lot of whatever, right? They want you, they make money by getting you to keep coming back and believing they have all the answers. And I just appreciate your integrity. I appreciate the way that your humility, I would say, right? Of being able to say, nope, I can't be all things to all people, but I can help you by connecting you with other people. Thank you for the way that you practice. And I'm sorry, keep on going. But <laughs> no, it's what funny because I, was, I was thinking the same thing though, because it does, it requires, Ugh. it's what I was thinking was it requires a level of humility. And we don't yeah. always see that in our healthcare professionals, but when we do, no. it's so good and so much more helpful. So I love mm-hmm. that that was your advice for us. That was so helpful. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I think if more people um, had access to knowing how to, how to filter through all the people that you could see, it will give us more access to our taking care of ourselves in different ways. Um, yeah. 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 Awesome. Oh, okay. So we want to find an acupuncturist or an in- integrative medicine doctor. Where do we start? What do we ask? Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're in Central Florida area, come see me at Be Well Holistic Care. Um, but for, for if you, if you're not around me, um, do online searches. You can get so much good information from an online search. Um, and then when you're looking online, look at the reviews, look at what people are saying. And what I would encourage you to look for is look to see what people are saying. Of course, you're going to see reviews. Oh, Dr. So-and-so helped me with my sciatic pain. It felt so good, right? That's a great review, of course. And that's why it's probably on their review thing. But look for reviews that are speaking to the, the practitioner's spirit. So humility mm. is a spirit we want to look for in our professionals, right? Mm. Integrative care. The integrative lens is something we want to look through. So read reviews looking for someone with a humble spirit and somebody who has the expertise. Um, Specifically as it relates to acupuncture, every state is a little bit different, but generally you want to find somebody who's gone to school for acupuncture. There's a lot of um, medical professionals that can be certified in acupuncture. You don't want someone certified in acupuncture. You're going to get a subpar uh, acupuncture experience. You want somebody who's gone to school and has um, a license for acupuncture. Now, not every state has the process of licensure, but you want to get an idea of what the educational background is. Um, And so, because this will inform a lot of information. For example, in Florida, 
physical therapists can take, uh, I think it's a 50 hour continuing education course, and they can get certified in something called dry needling, which is basically acupuncture. Um, but the dry needling that you're going to experience from a PT is going to help you with PT related issues. It's not going to help you with internal medicine. And so, or inflammation. If you want to see an acupuncturist for internal medicine or for inflammation, you need to find an acupuncturist. And so really looking at the qualifications is really helpful. And then, of course, you're in a, if you're in a different state than Florida, looking at what the qualifications are for that professional. And I would say I would extend this to not just acupuncture. Um, what are the qualifications of your primary care physician? We don't often look at our qualifications for primary care physicians because we're taught to inherently trust that they know what's best for us. And that is a yeah. large part of our Westernized thinking. Mm -hmm. And sadly, it's not necessarily helpful. Look at what they, where they did their residency. Look at what they enjoy treating, right? Not all primary care physicians enjoy treating everything. And you really want to get somebody who has experience and passion for what you're coming into for them to see. That's mm -hmm. great. That's great advice. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. That was so good. I feel like you. we could um, talk for like a whole other yeah. hour and it would be like no big deal, <laughs> but I think we yeah. are going to have to wrap it up here, unfortunately, but Coven, this has been an amazing conversation. I've learned a lot from this. I know our listeners are going to learn a lot. Um, where can mm -hmm. our listeners find you on socials or anything like that? Where can we find you? Um, the best way would be on Instagram. My social is Acu with Coven. So A C U W I T H, and then my name C O V Y N. Acu okay. with Coven. That's Perfect. Where I'm most active. Perfect. And we'll link that in the show notes, guys, so that you that you have that. But yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, I know we have your vote. Woo woo or woo hoo? It's a woo hoo for you all the way. Yes. Acupuncture, Chinese medicine, hundred percent. Christine. Where are you at? Oh, I, I knew from the get-go I was woo-woo. Uh, no, woo-hoo. See, Colin, you got me doing it. <laughs> I got you. Woo-hoo all the way. Still learning, still curious, right? Um, but I have reaped benefits now, personally experienced it, and um so thankful. And then my conversations with Coven just solidified it um, and continue to, because she's brilliant. And I have just learned so much from her wisdom and insight and hope that all of you who are listening have learned as well and, uh, become passionately curious about living your freaking life in in the healthiest possible way. Right. And I think integrative medicine is the best way to do that. And so, uh, I'm just so thankful for your time today, Coven. So very, very thankful. This has been such a great conversation. Ah, so much yeah. more. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me so much. All right, guys. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Yeah. Bye.